The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. And today is July 3rd for the July V. And here are the topics that we will discuss on this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. After decades of sexual misconduct allegations, tonight, a federal judge in Brooklyn sentenced singer and convicted sexual predator R. Kelly to 30 years in prison. This is a significant outcome for all victims of R. Kelly, and especially for the survivors who so bravely testified about the horrific and sadistic abuse they endured. 98 years after a California official seized prime oceanfront land from a black family, a Los Angeles County Commission voted yesterday to return the property to the original owner's family. Willa and Charles Bruce purchased the Manhattan Beach land in 1912 and built it into a seaside resort for black families. The land was taken from them in 1924 under the guise of eminent domain. Now the land will be returned to the Bruces' great-grandson who intends to lease it back to L.A. County. There's also a clause where the county can buy it back for $20 million. Senior reporter on this, Devin Dwyer, joins us with the details. Devin, you're up at the court so often. You're following these cases. The morning they came down, you were right on it. So who brought these challenges and what's at stake? Yeah, Terry, these are or cases brought by a group of conservative students, mostly Asian Americans, who say they were discriminated against by Harvard University and the University uh, of North Carolina uh, in favor of black and Hispanic students, essentially discriminated against on the basis of race. Uh, and they've been organized by a longtime opponent of affirmative action. His name is Edward Bloom. Uh, and so this case is really a test for, for this court, the 6-3 conservative court, um, on where race factors in so many of our policies, but of course in education and in admissions online radio at its best father in the name of jesus the author and finisher of my faith i arise to establish my legal right and dominion over this region and over every territory which you have given me jurisdictional authority according to daniel 9 and 4 you are the only great and dreadful god keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love you and to them that keep your commandments i appeal to the 
the God who said in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 16, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence amongst my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto their prayer that is made into this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be perpetually there. I declare that this place is sanctified. I present my body as a living sacrifice by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior and Redeemer. Make these prayers holy and acceptable unto you. I confess my sins and the sins of our fathers. Let grace and mercy prevail over us. I declare I have a free passage for my prayers to ascend into the realm of the supernatural and will not be earthbound. I come into agreement with the supreme good of heaven. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Therefore, war from this plane and realm. I declare that the anointing of God breaks every yoke. Open every portal and assign angels to reinforce me as I advance into new levels, new dimensions, new realms and territories. Let there be a breakthrough in the heavens. I tap into apostolic and prophetic veins. I shatter glass ceilings. I smash spiritual bars and iron membranes. I declare a breakthrough atmosphere is established. I recalibrate the spiritual climate and decree that every bit of lukewarmness must be replaced with the fire and the zeal of God. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. What a beautiful day! Happy Fourth of July coming up tomorrow. Hope you guys are uh, celebrating the uh, holiday with family and friends. Be safe as always, especially if you're handling fireworks. I'm Jay Ralph. Glad you guys are in the house. And of course, I never share the state by myself. Let me bring in my big sis, Miss Vanessa May Bailey from the Mackinac. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Hey, sweetheart. Good morning. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Stay safe. Be safe out there as you're handling fireworks. Rich Sisters off this morning. Of course, Mr. Jerome Spree joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. And Mr. Elias is taking the morning off as well. So it's just me and you, sis, until, you know, the smartest man in the world gets in the house. So, uh, which is pretty good and appropriate because you wanted to say something this morning based on some comments from last week. So, uh, my lovely sis, the floor is all yours. What say you? Hold on. I, I, I want to pull it up because I didn't even uh, remember exactly what it was. But hold on. I won't be able to read it, Jay, to stay on key with what I was saying. So last week, okay. um, yes. there were some comments made about some statements that I made. And so I'm just going to go back and read uh, what I wrote to you after I listened to the show. I said, okay. I rarely go back and listen to the show. Once I'm off, I usually don't care about various comments. I just uh-huh. listened, and Jay, I'm going to point out that I have black relatives, black friends that I'm going to point out to you at my party that voted for Trump. So am I supposed to disown them 
and not talk to them like they want me to disown my white friends. And huh. and yes, Jay, I had an issue with the flag on his board. So since okay. I typed this, I asked him about the flag on his board, Jay. Interesting. And yes, I did, and I, because I wanted to know because it bothered me. So right. he said, Vanessa. I had that flag up there before I even knew you. And the flag is not there because it's just a flag. It's just something that we, that everybody does in a post or whatever from Tennessee. And I said, okay, because I didn't know he was from Tennessee. He said, but it's not even the flag. He said, Vanessa, did you what? read what was on the inside? Hold on. He said, did you read okay. what was on the inside of the flag? And huh. I really felt stupid, but I didn't tell him that. I said, well, yeah, well, Vanessa, Vanessa, before you go any further, tell everybody, just in case they didn't listen last week, tell everybody the story so they'll be following you on what you're uh-uh, saying I now about the flag. Uh-uh. Well, about you know what type of flag it is, right? So tell people what type of flag it's it is. So people, flag. Who, there you go. Oh, now, now go ahead and finish flag. your story. Okay. It's a, it's a Confederate X, and the X was the symbols of a Confederate flag. It wasn't an actual Confederate flag, but it bothered me. Okay. So when right. I asked him, he said, did you read what was on the inside of it? And I felt stupid because I didn't read it, but I didn't tell okay. him that. So I went, and okay. went back and I read it. And guess what it says? Elias what did it say? says this all the time. You're not going to take my gun. And that's what was made on the inside of the imprinting of a flag. So. Whoa. So wait a minute. So you said you felt stupid because you read the inside of the flag, and the flag said you're not going it. to take my gun. No, because okay, I but did you, not but, read it. Okay, so but let me ask you this. So you're saying because of the fact that it says um, you're not going to take my gun, that makes it okay for him to post the Confederate flag or some type of emblem of it? Is that okay, what he told no. you? No. Am I, okay. Am I confused? Am I? Oh, all right. Let me okay, stop. Okay. Go are. ahead. So let me stop. Okay. Okay. I felt some kind of way about that X with the emblems of the Confederate flag. He and you said should be. That he, okay. And I did it. He said, uh-huh. that was on my board before I even knew you. And it didn't have anything to do with race. He said he wanted that on his board because of what it said in between the X. And it said, you will uh-huh. not take my gun. Hold on. Jay. Oh. All right. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm okay. all ears. Yes. Yes, I felt crazy because I didn't read it before, didn't read it before I jumped somebody. I should have looked at it good before I jumped him. But it Did didn't matter. Whether you... Can yeah, I yeah, should... Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm done. Yes. Whether I read it or not, yes. I still should have felt some kind of way. And I can't right. say anything to, they shouldn't say anything to me when I start posting nasty stuff about Trump, because it's coming, and, and Ted Cruz, so let me say this. I, yes. I, I am not going to separate friendship with white people, Mexican people, Hispanic people, Indian people, because of their political beliefs and I hope they don't separate me because of mine and I have lost okay. a lot of airline friends because okay. of my political views so hold on okay. I said yes. 
Yes, ma'am. Okay, so the other person said uh, that they Who's were the other using person? me. The other person, hold on, he said, I don't, you don't pose a threat. And that's why they invited you on the cruise. Whoever that person was oh, okay. that made that oh, comment. You mean, yeah, whoever made the comments, yeah. Let me, I'm going to go and so, see, can I find out, find a name, but go ahead, yes. So I said, I don't have to pose a threat to any of my Republican friends, black or white. I just right. want to enjoy their company. And they didn't invite me, you idiot. It is my 40-year wedding anniversary that cost $8,000 for a cruise. And they came to go with us because they like us. I didn't invite, okay. they didn't invite me on their cruise. It's my cruise party. And how many black friends do I have that's going as many as I have? Not a whole lot. One of Bobby's best friends said, you know what, Vanessa? We want to go with y'all to Europe on a cruise. So before yeah. you start saying, I don't pose a threat, and that they dragging me along, you need to have heard, baby, what I said. It's my cruise. I am going on. They wanted to come. Right. I don't even have a lot of black friends who want to spend that kind of money to hang out with me. So you know what? Uh, I am not losing any of my friends because of some uh, because of comp- uh, political views, religion, Catholic, Jewish. I'm not doing it. So if that's what y'all okay. think, then fine. I don't care. That's why I don't go back and listen. And you know what? I grew up in the South. I didn't grow up in New yes. York. I didn't grow up somewhere else. I grew up in Houston, Texas, in the South, where this town okay. was divided in half. So okay. don't even message Jay with that because... I grew up in the South, and I don't give a crap what y'all think of my friendship here or there. Okay, I well, well, that's fine, and you okay. shouldn't. But, 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 but here's my two cents to, to what you're saying. To, to disagree with someone politically is one thing, but when someone is showing an emblem that terrorized black people, that suppressed black people, and they're saying that the reason why he took it down. Okay, well. Well, thank you. You, you didn't. And okay. Okay. All right. Well, you you okay. All right. Well. Oh, he did. Well, yes, he did have to do that because he had to do that because. Well, yes, he did, Vanessa. Because, because it listen. Me. It, well, well, he had to take it down because of what it represents. It's not like you're running around holding up signs talking about, you know, you, there's no emblem out there that talks that, that represents black people, you know, cutting off the, the ears of white folks. There, there, there are no emblems out there that show where black people suppress white folks. That emblem means a lot. Because if someone, listen, I have I have friends who, who are Jay, Trump you're supporters. Right. Jay, you're right, and I told him that. Well, you're you right, and I told me, him that. Why are you not going to let me finish saying what I was going to say? I mean, I didn't bother you, okay? So what uh, I'm saying ahead. is, what, I, what I'm saying, Vanessa, is you can't compare what your political views are. Someone's political views are their, are their political views. But for someone to put something up that represents a dark, chapter in this nation's history that's a whole different ball game what if you have emblems of of black of black people castrating white folks there's an international emblem that everyone knows that this means that black folks are castrating white white people are black folks are mistreating white folks and you had that prominently on your social media page 
I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Sometimes we confuse these things and say, well, you know, well, their political views. Listen, your political views are your political views. This country needs two parties. There's no doubt about that. When someone posts something that represents something that was, that would, you know, it scared our ancestors. You know, when the Klan came and burned their, burned their houses down and killed and lynched their people, they had that damn thing displayed prominently. It's a symbol of hate. And so when someone puts up a symbol of hate, that's a whole different bargain. What if you had a swastika on your freaking uh, page? Come on, man. I mean, that's the thing. But I'm glad he took it down. I'm glad you said what you said. And, and you know, listen, like you say, we, listen, I'm like you, Vanessa. I, what people think of, of me, your listeners, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't like what we're saying, change the channel. There, there are plenty of podcasts and radio shows and TV shows that can quench whatever your political thirst is. Go do it. We're going to say what we want to say around here. So you don't have to apologize or be apologetic to anybody. You say what you say. That's your, those are your views. And like I used to say a long time ago when I did my three, three minute commentary, what I used to say at the end is my views, my points, and I'm sticking to it. I forget how I said it. But anyway, it's my point of view. It's your point of view. Say what you're going to say and stick by it. So there you go. So your friend took it down. That's the good thing, right? So he took it down because he knew it bothered you. So he must be a good guy. Him and, him and his wife, whoever else, or your rich people you hang out with. But thank you, Vanessa. And I appreciate you sharing your story. Get that rich? Well, they got a lot of money there. They ain't broke. As much money as you and Liz. You have lost your mind. You know what? Now we're going to break. All right, so now we're going to break with Vanessa telling lies on a Sunday. <laughs> Lying self. You're a liar and the truth ain't in you. You're a liar. No. Okay, let me rephrase it. Well, I got as much yes. money as Les with all the houses he got. How about that? Well, please. Okay. Well, y'all right there in a whole different, whole different uh, tax bracket. There they go. The Black Rockefellers. All right. We're going to step up. Take a break. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. A lot to get into. Uh, me and Vanessa, this is going to be fun. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Stop for an NPR news update. We'll be right back on the other side. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ross Show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. I promise I will open the chat during the break. We'll be right back. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. The exiled mayor of an occupied Ukrainian city says his country's forces destroyed a Russian military base with missile strikes overnight. NPR's Eleanor Beardsley reports. Melitopol Mayor Ivan Fedorov says Ukraine hit one of four Russian military bases in his town with more than 30 airstrikes overnight. Fedorov recorded a video from inside a car and used the common Ukrainian moniker Rushis for Russians, the word is a combination of Russians and fascists. Fedorov said the occupiers tried to save some military equipment, but everything was destroyed, and he said Russia is trying to pretend that peaceful neighborhoods were hit. The 33-year-old mayor became known in March when he was kidnapped and interrogated by Russian forces. Fedorov said his top priority is to help residents of his occupied city evacuate. Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Chernivtsi, Ukraine. Russia's defense minister, meanwhile, claims that Russian forces and their separatist allies are in full control of the eastern city of Lysyshansk. Ukraine has not confirmed the claim. 
Clinics are shutting down abortion services in Texas following Friday night's decision by the Texas Supreme Court. Among them, a network of abortion providers that was a plaintiff in a crucial U.S. Supreme Court case in 2016, as NPR Sarah McCammon reports. In Whole Woman's Health v. Hellerstedt, the Supreme Court sided with the network of clinics, which argued that layers of Texas medical regulations for abortion providers placed an unconstitutional burden on those rights. The group now says its four clinics in the state have stopped providing abortions. A statement says they've begun a wind-down process in Texas. That comes after the Texas Supreme Court allowed a 1925 state law banning the procedure to be enforced in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Whole Woman's Health says it's still operating clinics and offering medication abortion in several other states. Sarah McCammon, NPR News, Washington. The police chief of the Uvalde School District says he's resigning his position on the city council. Texas Public Radio's Gustavo reports. Chief Pete Arredondo told the Uvalde Leader News that his resignation was, quote, the best decision for Uvalde just a day after missing his third city council meeting since being sworn into office. The community has called for his resignation, citing a home charter rule that council members cannot miss more than three meetings. Arredondo has also been criticized for his response to the May 24th shooting at Robb Elementary. Under Arredondo's direction, officers did not enter the classroom for an hour as the shooter continued killing children. He maintains that he was not the incident commander that day, which has been disputed by Texas Department of Public Safety officials. The city of Uvalde has yet to confirm Arredondo's resignation. He is still employed with Uvalde School District, but is currently on leave as of two weeks ago. I'm Gage Davila in Port Isabel. And this is NPR. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of the serious side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's the serious side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, Sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, Sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. That was Cassidy Hutchison testifying before Congress this past week, telling the story about what was really going on on January 6th, behind-the-scenes information that really rocked the world and rocked the nation to hear how this deranged man, who was the president of the United States, wanted his followers have access to the Capitol by, I guess, running through some type of shortcut through the White House. I'm not really sure, but talked about taking down the magnetometers, which indicates if people have weapons or not. There were also stories about how he was so pissed off because of the amount of people that were at his event. The reason why was because they had to go through magnetometers. Had they gone through magnetometers, they would have known that they've had weapons. They would have been compensated or arrested. This is what's going on in our nation. And I'm going to tell you something. It is devastating. 
Vanessa, I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch any of the hearing, but the young lady that came, you know, uh, Cassidy Hutchison, her testimony was riveting. Her testimony was eye-opening. And, you know, throughout the Trump presidency, I've always said to myself, you know, you can't be surprised by things that are, you know, that are exposed from behind the scenes. But I think the reason why numbers are starting to show that even though a lot of people may not be looking at this thing per se every day, because I haven't seen it every day because it comes on during the day. Most people are at work. But numbers are showing that folks are paying attention, so they may not be watching it live, but they may be catching it on YouTube or whatever their news feed is, and it's starting to resonate. Even people at Fox were somewhat surprised and speechless, you know, the AM Fox people, because the PM Fox people are going to be who they are, the Hannity's, you know, Tucker Carlson's. Laura Ingram, they're going to be who they are. But the people that supposedly are the news folks during the day, they were like, man, this is uh, this is shocking. And I think the reason why it's resonating, Vanessa, and, you, you know, you, you give me your opinion on this, is because, you know, they can't stay – they can't say that, oh, here's a bunch of liberal Democrats coming after the president. The people who are testifying against him are people of his own party – are people who he appointed. That's why I think it's starting to resonate with the American people. Give me your thoughts on what you heard the young lady say, and do you think it's going to have any impact uh, on the midterms, or better yet, you know, in 2024 when this man may run for president again? He's not going to get to run for president again. (laughs) That young lady, my Lord, that took courage and strength and guts. She, I hope she gets a private guard with her because after this, that girl's going to have to leave. I mean, I can't believe that this man is trying to reach across at the front seat to get the Secret Service to go back. But from what I think Bobby and I was listening to something on the radio where they said mm-hmm. that right. the Secret Service did not deny what she said. Well, they didn't deny- an anonymous, they said an anonymous Secret Service uh, uh, agent denied it. They said that basically they're saying, oh, that, didn't, that never happened. The president never reached over and tried to grab anything. They said that's not true. But they didn't deny the fact that he was pissed off and that he wanted, you know, to, to go to the Capitol. Okay. And then there's video, and I don't know if you and Bobby saw the video, there's video that actually kind of shows some type of commotion going on in the SUV as it left the ellipse where he had given his speech. So you can't really make out, but you can see that something is going on. You can see a hand go between the seats. So who knows, but, but go ahead and continue. I just, I just think that so much stuff came out mm-hmm. during the last. That I was paying attention to it. Right. That he's not gonna run, y'all. He's he's gonna be found guilty of something, something that's gonna stop him from being able to run. But so, so do you think? And, let me ask you this: Do you think? Uh-huh. 
because you hang out with a lot of these folks. Do you think that that's exactly what they want? They want him. They don't look. They don't want him to run for president again. Do you think that's yep. where they're going, or or do you think that uh, they still they're still looking at this thing as, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense, and they're just trying to get Trump? We had this conversation that I have okay. spoke to some of them. Yeah, I mentioned it. Not last week, the other one. I did. I mentioned that they said uh-huh. they do not want Trump to run. Because I said, still, his wife, the one who has that flag, his wife said they don't want him to run. And then my other friends are a lot more conservative, but they are Republicans. They don't want. They don't particularly like Trump. They're going to defend him just like, you know, I guess no matter what Obama did, people defended him. Uh, so. What do you mean when Obama did, people defended him? What does that mean? Like I've made comments. I made a comment or two of some stuff that Obama did that I didn't like. I don't remember what it was at the time, but people had something okay. to say about that. So well, they're yeah. going okay. to defend Trump to the end, but that don't mean they want him to run for president yet. And they I don't. don't. I mean, because, well, I, well, you say that, but, but you know, the bottom line is, is that uh, uh, even though you're starting to see, I know I saw some polls that talked about how folks were, you know, I think 59% of the country or over 50% are saying that he should be charged based on some of the testimony that we've been hearing, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually monitoring the check. Last week, Jerome said exactly what he did, because you asked me before you asked Jerome. And I think okay. he's going to get charged with something, but he's not going to jail. Well, They're just well, doing you, so he can't run. Well, yeah, I, I don't think, listen, you know, like I mentioned last week, I think the reason why is because what type of what type of standard or precedent does that set? You know, if the America that supposedly is the beacon of, you know, light, is the, the city on the hill, the shining city of the hill, all of a sudden here we are throwing a former president in jail. And I think that the the messaging on that and the imagery on that would just be devastating for what we try to promote throughout the world. How can you sit here? You know, countries are sitting back saying, how can you sit back and tell us about, you know, not having dictatorship and human rights and all this other stuff, and you're throwing your presidents in jail, regardless of whether he's a former or not. You know, the symbolism of that is strong. That's one of the reasons why, you know, former presidents, they still uh, get the morning, uh, they get the intelligent reports. That's why they're still sworn to secrecy. That's why, you know, uh, the reason why they still receive this information is because they are ambassadors of the United States of America. And they also want to make sure that they have the right information just in case their predecessors or their successors, you know, uh, reach out to them for counsel. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, throwing an American president in jail, regardless of how slimy he is. And I think that's the reason why he wouldn't go to jail. I don't think it's right, but I do think that's the reason why. And I was reading something in the chat room 
And let me say this, when Mr. Elias is not here, I'm not breaking my rules, because when usually when Mr. Elias is not here, we don't do chatterbox. I mean, well, state your case, because I can't. There's too many things I'm doing during the course of the program. But I am watching this, and, and Kavina, what's up, man? He says, uh, you know, he saw some polls. He saw two polls, actually, that showed that Trump was leading Biden by three to five points. The reality is that this man could win again, Vanessa, if he runs. That's the reality. And so what do we do? How do we combat it? We so, pray. We pray well, like yeah. the slaves in the field 1,500 years ago. We pray, Jay. That's all we can do. Because look, and, and, and I, look, <laughs> right behind you, right there with me with age, Jay. There yeah. is, we have reversed back, Jay. We have reversed back how it was for our parents. Everything is yep. going back. It's, it's going to be up to your It's going to be up to our beautiful daughters. They're going to have to they're going to have to start voting and not, I feel so worried about what's going on in clubs and across the world and traveling and mm-hmm. doing it. That's fine if they do all of that, but we're getting, I'm getting too old. Let me speak for Vanessa. I'm getting too old to sit there and fight this battle that got turned around right. because of 2016. Because well. people, you know, and Jerome didn't agree with me when I said, when these kids didn't get out there and vote in 2016, well, it was because people didn't get out there and vote in 2016. Right. And now everything is reversed. So who am I to sit here and go back and work my nerves trying to get stuff fixed and changed when it's not going to be have anything to do with me or you? It's going to have everything to do with our kids. So they well, yeah, have and to then, care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have to care. What they do, and I think the the big thing here, though, is the fact that, you know, we talk about it all the time on the show, how people feel that it doesn't matter what we do. Because as long as, you know, Republicans continue to do the things that they're doing to remain in power, it's not going to make a difference. You know, until they change the electoral college and until they change a lot of this nonsense, it's not going to make a difference. They're going to remain in power. You know, we talk about it all the time, how this nation's history, how this nation's voting history has been for the last 20 years. But yet and still, if you look at, you know, what what Americans are voting for, are voting, the way they're voting party-wise, you know, this country is center-left. But yet, and still, we do not, I mean, when I say we, Democrats are in the minority when it comes to governorships across this nation. They're playing chestnut checkers, and it really doesn't matter. And a lot of people are saying, why? What difference does it make? You know? And you have to ask yourself the question. You know, at some point in time, the definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. So what do you do? What do you do? This, you know, listen, people can say, oh, my God, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. My goodness, those two impeachment uh, freaking hearings were the straws that broke the camel's back. 
the freaking Robert the Mueller investigation was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, stop it. You have to stop with this nonsense. This has been going on forever. People just the problem we have now versus what we had back in the day when Richard Nixon was president was at that time Republicans put country first, not party. And God bless Liz Cheney. I mean, you know, she's going to lose her congressional seat. It's it's a wrap. Even when yeah. she, you know, she was on stage this past week uh, with a debate with three other competitors or four other competitors. I can't remember. And, you know, she's the only one that spoke truth to power. She said, hey, look, I'm going to always put my country before my party, period, point blank, full stop. But these other yeah. folks don't look at it this way. So I don't know if we're going to ever go back to where our parents had to deal with, you know, like the Emmett Till situations. By the way, that whole thing with Tim, Emmett Till, if we get a few minutes, we're going to talk about that. But I'm not sure if we're it's, going to go back so- to those times. I don't think so, Jay, but I, I do remember, think. But, Jay, I don't remember. I don't, Vanessa. I don't remember mm. not being able to have abortions. I don't remember. No, none of us do. But I can't remember. That's what I'm saying. It's going back to our parents. I can't remember that they're saying that they're fixing to start fighting against women taking contraceptives. So one minute you're saying, don't take contraceptives, and then you're saying, don't have an abortion, and then you're going to be not wanting to pass out ways to take care of all of these ching, 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 damn children that y'all are going to let be born. I don't remember these times. These were our parents' times. And I just think that we're reversing, Jay. We are reversing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with that, and and, and there's some validity in that. I, I think that we're going – but see, what I'm talking about, though, I don't think – you know, obviously when people say we're going back to the 60s, we're not going back to the 60s because, you know, you can't whistle at a – you couldn't whistle at a white woman in the 60s without getting the crap beat out of you. So we're not there, but I think what's happening is is that you have these politicians who are giving some of the – you know, some of the quirkiest and craziest people in our society cover to really come out and just expose who they are. I can't imagine. Well, that's my point. I can't imagine in the mid-90s, you know, a bunch of young white men marching with tiki torches saying Jews won't replace us. Not, I mean, not in broad daylight like that. Now, you always had the Klan trying to have, you know, uh, little functions in different cities. Uh, But even they were, you know, becoming a thing of the past. But Donald Trump is, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why people responded the way they did last week. It's like, well, how can you support somebody who supports somebody who doesn't like us? That means if you're supporting him, that means that you fall into that category. And, you know, and I, and I see both sides of it. I really do. But what about the black people who voted for him? So Well, I, there's no what, excuse for those guys. I mean, there's, there's no excuse for them. I mean, well, that's why you have the Clarence Thomases and, and, you know, some of these folks that, you know, Stacey Dash, even though she's saying that she has, she's turned over a new leaf. But you have these people who, you know, align themselves with people who are doing things against our interests. It's it's amazing, huh? These are young black children. I, I mean, I told y'all when this Trump era thing came up on Facebook, there was, and I, I think I tagged less on some of them. Y'all don't remember back that far, but they're, they're I cannot wait to point them out to you. I cannot wait. They're young. They're young. They're in their 30s. But but 
is the problem, you know, because this is the issue. Because on one side, we're saying, you know, vote your conscience, vote your pocketbook, vote what's best for you and your family. And a lot of rich black folks came back and said, hey, we kind of miss Trump being in office because of, you know, our tax situation. And then we're saying, you know, then vote morally. I mean, you know, which way, do you, you know, what are we saying? Because if we're telling people to vote, we're telling people to vote, you know, vote your pocketbook, vote what's in the best interest for you and your family. A lot of rich black folks are saying, well, shoot, Trump is in the best interest of me and my family tax-wise. But at some point in time, you have to say to yourself, you know, my goodness, there are things that are more important than, than just you. You have to look at this beyond what affects you. So I don't know. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. What you say, Vanessa? I hope they pay attention, Jay. Well, I, I just, we'll see. And they're young. They're the ones that's out there still going to girlfriends might still be having abortions. But I'm just saying, I hope that they're paying attention to all of this Supreme Court justice stuff. I hope that they have enough sense to get out there and get rid of Abbott and Cruz. Texas is the forefront of all of this BS that is going on. And I just, Jay, I pray that they pay attention. Yeah, well, good, well, good luck good luck with that. Speaking of, you know, what a beautiful segue into this week's edition of Convena Time in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. Clarence Thomas, that's all I'm going to say. Sit back and listen. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's convenient time in four minutes or less. Something that you need to know. Listen, Ellie, there, there are going to be people out there who say, why should Clarence Thomas recuse himself from January 6th related cases because of his wife's behavior? How do you respond? Yeah, as I said in that article, the problem is not Jenny Thomas. She is free to go around and inspire rebellion and insurrection or whatever it is she she does on her free time. The problem is that Clarence Thomas is supposed to be above this fray. He's supposed to be an impartial justice, and nobody should believe that he is impartial when it comes to deciding whether or not things like his messy wife's text messages should be revealed to the public. That is not something that a loving husband can impartially decide. I think that's pretty obvious. And the problem is that Thomas has been messy when it comes to this kind of corruption based on his wife for his entire career. All right, Thomas has recused himself in cases involving his former employer. He's recused himself in cases involving his son, but he has never, not once in 30 years, recused himself because of Jenny Thomas's activities, even though her activities have been all wrapped up in cases and controversies in Thomas's own courtroom. Right. Obamacare is one case that comes to mind. Representative Zoe Lofgren spoke to my colleague Yasmin Vasugi just a short time ago about whether Jenny Thomas should be subpoenaed. I want you to listen to what she said. The fact that she went down a conspiracy rabbit hole and just said some really bizarre things in her text doesn't make her necessarily an important figure in the January 6th uh, plot. Ellie, in your opinion, should Thomas be called before the committee? 
Yes, of course. Like, how are we still messing around with this stuff? She has done things like sent Trump an enemies list, right? She's She was, apparently was integral in helping people kind of raise, let's say, just raise awareness of the plot to overthrow the government. And Donald Trump himself has said that he would not have Jenny Thomas in the room but for her connection to her powerful husband. Clarence Thomas was the only person, the only one of the nine justices to vote against revealing uh, Trump's documents involving January 6th. So there's a lot of questions that I would have for Jenny Thomas, and the idea that somehow we shouldn't ask her is exactly the kind of corruption that she's trading on. The only reason the January 6th committee is afraid of subpoenaing uh, Jenny Thomas is because of her powerful corrupt corruption, because of her powerful husband, which is the whole basis of the corruption. And, it's, and I think it's insulting to the American people to suggest that this person is not important enough to be called to testify. Online radio at its best. After decades of sexual misconduct allegations, tonight a federal judge in Brooklyn sentenced singer and convicted sexual predator R. Kelly to 30 years in prison. This is a significant outcome for all victims of R. Kelly and especially for the survivors who so bravely testified about the horrific and sadistic abuse they endured. The one-time music superstar faced life behind bars after a jury found him guilty in federal court on one count of racketeering and eight counts of sex trafficking. The trial lasting nearly six weeks, with close to 50 witnesses testifying against Kelly, more than half of them alleging abuse, several represented by Gloria Allred. You've called R. Kelly the worst perpetrator that you've pursued. Why is that? He recruited Fans of his targeted them, intimidated them, indoctrinated them, threatened them, sexually assaulted them. Federal authorities looking into the years of accusations after the explosive Lifetime docuseries Surviving R. Kelly, in which dozens of accusers alleged the thinker had abused them. Kelly did not testify at his trial. Tonight, one of Kelly's accusers relieved. I never thought that I would be here to see be held accountable for the atrocious things that he did to children. And the legal fight for R. Kelly isn't over. His lawyers say he didn't speak during the hearing today because he still has a pending case in Illinois. His lawyers also say they plan to appeal his verdict today right here in Brooklyn. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. It's the serious side of the J-Rod Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. It's uh, 46 minutes after the hour. Uh, happy 4th of July, which happens tomorrow. Hope you guys are being safe when you celebrate. Don't drink and drive. Don't handle fireworks. Uh, or if you're going to handle fireworks, handle them responsibly. You don't want to end up uh, like uh, Pierre Paul. The NFL player blew off half his hands because he was trying to showboat, I guess, in front of families and friends. So just be careful when you're out here handling these these things. Uh, as you can hear, um, R. Kelly, 30 years uh, in prison uh, for basically having sex with minors. And, you know, Vanessa, when I heard the verdict, I wasn't surprised. Now, this is just one verdict of many. He has many court cases coming up. Uh, 
you know, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday after the the family picnic. Uh, we were just kind of throwing it around about R. Kelly and, you know, how this guy has uh, fallen from grace. And so now he is, you know, technically he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And, you know, they asked me, what do you think? I said, I think he's going to commit suicide. I don't think he's built for prison. I just think he's going to commit suicide. What about what do you think, Vanessa? I guess I shouldn't be mean to say I don't give a damn what he does, but um, he probably, you know what? I don't know. I don't think he's going to commit suicide. I think he's a chicken shit to do that. You think he's what? Anybody think he's too chicken shit to do that. Anybody that's okay, that, you just or, you, know, you I, calm down for this you and your foul mouth. All I said was chicken shit. That's not I, it could be worse. But I'm just saying he is. He's a wuss. He's not gonna commit suicide. He's not. He he is the one who went after minors. People that prey on minors or wuss. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's as I don't know if it's as simple as that. Because wuss can have many definitions. I'm not sure what your definition is. A wuss can be a lot of things. I think people who pick on minors are uh, are dangerous. They are sick. Um, and you know, uh, his attorneys try to say, well, you know, the thing is, he he. Uh, you know, he, he was abused when he was young, and, you know, and, and you don't know what type of psychological – well, but we can't say that. We just don't know what type of psychological effect it has on people because we have to – you know, listen, it's real. It's like when someone told me about being depressed, right? People say, oh, you know, I said to myself, man, there's no such thing as depression. You know, just, you know, get up, you, really you know, hold your hand. I did say that because I hadn't experienced it at the time. But then once I had gone through it, I realized it's a real thing. So when we say that, okay, well, that don't have anything to do with it, it probably does have something to do with it. But because, you know, it has something to do with it, there's still consequences for when you commit crimes. You know, you just can't go around and inflict, you know, harm on other people. And maybe from a psychological standpoint, maybe you were affected by that. I can't say that it did well, you know that you know what I apologize. You are absolutely right because my nephew has gotten into trouble doing crazy stuff because he was abused as a child and beat with a metal skillet and that kind of stuff. So you know what you got right. Yeah, so you don't know. You just don't know what type of effect. But because you've gone through this, and I'm not saying you do. You know, you it's it's weird because you can say, well, you're not intentionally trying to hurt them. Actually, you you are. I mean, you know. And so with R. Kelly's situation, you know, it's like you don't learn anything after he had gone through that first situation with that 14 year old girl. 14 year old girl he was peeing on. You know, he got out of that. He just continued to do what he's doing. And, you know, we just talked about Trump. Trump got out of those impeachments uh, 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 hearings, and then he continued his his ridiculous behavior. Because once you get to a point and empowers you, you feel that you can't get caught. You feel that, okay, if they didn't get me on this. And I know R. Kelly's sitting right here saying, my goodness, I'm on videotape. <laughs> and I got out of that. Now, some of that was because uh, I think the young ladies – Someone can correct me if they want. I think the young lady's uh, parents uh, worked, still worked for him, so I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't bring up charges. But 
that young girl in that video at least. It was a family uh, member. You're right. It was. Yeah, it was but I but I think that her 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 cousin, which is uh-huh. which is an R&B singer called uh, her um, her name was uh, uh, Sparkle. She saw it and was disgusted by it, and so she was at at odds with her family because she's like, y'all need to press charges against this dude. He's a monster. But 30 years. And the reason why I say, Vanessa, he's going to commit suicide in jail is because that Gail King interview showed me everything. I said he was losing his mind live on TV. And I'm like, there's no way. He ain't built for prison. He's not built for it. And I just think that he's going to find a way to get up. Thirty, he's gone, Vanessa. That's just one case. He still has to face charges in Illinois. I think he has some charges in California. So when you start adding this stuff up, it's it's lights out for the Pied Piper. And I remember watching a video of his uh, when all this stuff when Survivor and R. Kelly came on, and he came on with a cigar to my, hey, what's up? This is your boy Kells. You know, blah blah blah. You know, and he was kind of he trying to get me, but you know, blah blah blah, dude. <laughs> that was before all this stuff started really snowballing. And surviving R. Kelly is what did it. When when that documentary came out, that, that was because I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, oh my goodness. But not only should R. Kelly be in trouble, huh? I hope the audience realizes that you spend most of your life looking at TV to be able to broadcast this show. I hope they appreciate it. I don't spend most of my life watching OT. What kind of statement is that, Vanessa? (laughs) Talking about, I don't spend most of my life watching TV. But that mess out there, oh, Jay spends most of his time watching. No, I do not. Strike that from the record, audience. I do not spend most of my life watching no freaking TV. <laughs> I spend time doing research for the show. I don't spend my time watching TV. I don't watch a lick of TV all while, while I've been in Indiana, which, by the way, I'm still here. So, uh, you know, stop. Oh, but what they you? can appreciate, uh, that's okay. right, what they can appreciate is the fact that we bring our honest opinions here every week. You know, we're not, you know, people sometimes say, well, why don't you guys have specialists and stuff on your show? Because that's not the concept of the show. The show, the concept of the show was friends meeting for brunch and talking about what you're talking about at the barbershop. So some of us may say things that may not even be true. We may say things that are, are crazy, but it's just our thoughts. So they can appreciate that. How about that, Vanessa? I spend most of my life. And that's true, TV. but our thoughts are true. This is what I want to ask you, though, because Les is not yes. here. Did y'all go to school? I think last week you were at a reunion or something. Did y'all go to school with, with uh, white kids and Hispanic kids, or was it an all black no. school? No, all black school. No. All no, black? Well, you know, you met, yeah, you know, if you saw the movie Lean on Me, that's about how many white folks we had in our school. Same thing. You know, when he told the white kids to stand up, not a lot. This is, you know, Gary, you know, Gary Indiana is a black city. There's no, you can't get no blacker than this joke. So it's y'all black. didn't, y'all class reunions don't have white people, Hispanic people, just a big mixture. So y'all wasn't raised around white people. Let me say it again. Gary Indiana is a straight up <laughs> inner city black city. Why y'all don't understand my world? 
Okay. No, I know that's not true because no, that's not true. That's not true because you know I spent over you know thirty, forty years in corporate America. I spent time in the military where you meet people from all over the world, all different races. So that's not true. I definitely understand your view. I didn't ask you. I I mean those people you didn't grow up with. Those people you met in the military. Well, but it didn't matter. no, that's not true. I mean, because I grew up, you know, before I, before I moved to the inner city, I, listen to me put them off. You know what? I'm changing the topic. I'm about to tell y'all everything. I don't want to change <laughs> listen. the topic because you're in Indiana, and I want to talk about, real quick, it's just me and you. We're going to go back to, to perverted R. Kelly, who you say is going to be found hanging from a, his underwear or his Well, I do say, well, well but, but, <laughs> but for me, it's therapy, <laughs> Vanessa, because I have daughters. And so, you know, I have – there are people out there who still listen to his music. And I'm like, why? It's not a soul. You know what? Y'all need to stop. I think he's perverted and crazy. The song that come on, I'm not going to turn the channel because it's R. Kelly. Y'all need to stop. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Well, but see, symbolism represents everything. You know, back in the 60s when people were marching, you know, remember Dr. King was killed because he went to a sanitation uh, sanitation worker strike, and they were wearing signs saying, I am a man. You know, there's symbolism in the things. And so when you listen, when his music comes on, the symbol of I'm not listening to the, the sounds of a perverted man who slept with a freaking 13-year-old and a 14-year-old, and now it looks like he slept with little boys too. That's crazy. So, no, I mean, if, you know what? You the least I can do is stop listening to his music. Do Say you what? turn off everything that has to do with Bill Cosby when he was I don't watch any. I don't watch. I don't. I don't watch. I don't watch. I don't watch the Cosby Show anymore. I don't have anything on uh, that deals with Bill Cosby. No, and I hate that because I love Bill. Cosby. I thought Bill Cosby when he was uh, Cliff Huxtable, he was my. I wanted him to be my daddy. So no, I don't. I mean, you know, it's just it, it's it's just because I say the least I can do is is do that. I didn't go through what those women with. Yeah, those those women had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. They had to call him daddy. Yeah, you know. So so the horrors that they went through. The least I can do is not listen or support his music. The least I can yeah. do is not contribute to his estate by buying his information. Well, that music ain't got to do with him. It has everything to do with him. He made it. But people have their yeah. own opinions. You can you can you can think and do what you want. But I'm just not the guy. I'm not going to support it. You know, I don't it's like well, my well, it's like when my daughters listen to uh, listen to uh, music that uh, that that call. You know, oh, I want to stick a blah, blah blah blah. I'm listening to my watching my kids. My daughters. I'm like, you know, you know what this music is, right? They're de- <laughs> they're demeaning you. Oh, she got a got a big tail and she slapped on my stuff. I mean, and y'all sitting there laughing and giggling and dancing to that nonsense. But you know, we also have to understand is that we're changing roles too. Because I remember coming up, you know, my parents wasn't fond of me, you know, running around. I used to run around with uh, jeans. I used to have one shoulder, you know, one leg rolled up. You know, that was cool. I had a towel hanging out my back back pocket. That was just, you know, as kids, you just hope that they go through their phases and stages, but you hope that when they become adults, then they make that transition. So I'm that old dude that was on the porch. 
that I was looking at when I was there age saying, man, go on somewhere with that nonsense. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, you're going to be old one day. Yeah, okay, all right, whatever. And now here I am in that position. And so it's, you know, it's like Mufasa said, the circle of life, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. But, you know, once again, you know, kind of getting back to R. Kelly, I, I was watching Gil King. They talked to her, and they were saying that a lot of people gave her credit for being calm under pressure. You know, when that whole thing, when he stood up and was beating his chest and was going off, she just said, Robert, Robert, no, Robert. And and um, and so, you know, people looked at that and said, you know, she remained calm, cool, and collective. And she said, well, on one hand, you're looking at this man that have done all these horrible things. She said, but a part of you feels that this is somebody reaching out for help. Got a call coming in. Let me check it out. Three four seven eight five zero. Oh, I know what this is. Uh, let's bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Street. Good morning, Jerome. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm good. How are you doing? Hey, Vanessa. Good morning, Jerome. Oh, I thought I was on mute. Hey. No, you know, she. I thought I had myself on mute. No, you're good. Well, well, you know, the thing is, I know these are the type of topics you don't like to get engaged in uh, when we talk about what happened with R. Kelly. Um, but, you know, 30 years, uh, you know, this is just the beginning yeah. of the end for him. I just don't see – and I oh, said I think he's going to commit suicide. I have a whole lot more empathy for Bill Cosby than I do. And I don't even like Bill Cosby. I have a whole lot more empathy yeah. for Cosby than I do R. Kelly. Right. And you're right. You're absolutely correct about that, and I agree with you. But but that you know, it's like we were talking. Yeah. Yeah, but this this guy was peeing on 14 year olds. I mean, it's it's you know they were saying how he was hanging out at McDonald's uh, even as a, a you know right outside of high school, and he was rich and famous at that point. I mean, come on, man, that's just a super predator at, at the highest level. Jeez. Yeah. See, I I didn't know. Um... Yeah, see, I, and I'm again. I am. Um, I don't know much about R. Kelly stuff. I stayed away from even watching that stuff. That's too much mess for me. I'm not really yeah. big on tabloid. He crossed the line. I actually have a friend. I guess I probably shouldn't be telling the story, but I have a friend who is is a big time producer, and he um, was in the studio with R. Kelly when uh, and Aaliyah was in the studio, and mm. his, her served him um, right there while they were in the studio. And um, they served him because they didn't want Aaliyah being in the room with him without an adult, without supervision. I shouldn't say an adult, but with, without, by themselves. And they right. served him. They always wanted to have um, someone around him. So even all of this stuff that's coming out with that is kind of, it's kind of like, disturbing to me although again i don't know the r kelly story but i do i'm like one degree away from somebody who knows who knows him they're not friends and he said i never seen right. any of this stuff either um he said r kelly wasn't like that around around him and so right. he didn't know anything about that but he does recall a time that they were in the studio and he got served pay, papers by Aaliyah's parents while Aaliyah was in the studio you know yeah, so yeah I, his behavior you, you know there are sick people, and I can't even go through like there's a medical sick, sickness or that he uh, was abused. I don't know nothing about that stuff, but I can just tell right. you this: that 
his sentence, like, I mean, he's been doing that for I don't know how many years, so he probably needs a year for every year he's been doing that. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, well. I yeah. Have, yeah, I have no sympathy. You guys know, for people who, like, yeah. commit rape and pedophile stuff, I don't really, I have no sympathy for none of that. So, yeah. I hate, I don't, yeah. like, you know, I hate being really harsh about that, but I am really, really harsh about it. Well, you so, have yeah, to be, you know, like, yeah, you, you, you have to be. And, and the thing is, like you were saying, uh, you, you know, you have no empathy for people like that because, you know, you're just sick. And and even when he had gotten gotten acquitted from that first situation with the young girl that, that he made the video with, you know, a young fan was coming out there every day supporting him. And so he found – so while he was in the in the middle – of that situation, he was, you know, scoping out the chicks that were along the rope lines and had his advisors get in contact with one of those girls, and he ended up, you know, doing that stuff to her. And so it's like, my goodness, you know, what is the deal? And here's the other part, and then we have to go. The thing that really gets me is that, you know, there's this young lady by the name of Jocelyn Savage. Now, she was one of the two young ladies who was still living with him, even up until a couple of years ago, staying in his properties. And so they said that, you know, her parents are saying that he is still controlling her uh, from jail. But this, these are the parents that took their daughter up there to be with R. Kelly, knowing R. Kelly had gone through what he had gone through because they were so she can sing and, you know, he has talent. And so we won't want her to, you know, get with R. Kelly. And, and you know, we said, well, you know, you, she can go as long as, you know, there's, you know, parental, there there are, you know, people there. I mean, if you have to sign something like that, <laughs> why would you even put your kid in that situation? Well, no, we weren't going to let her go unless she promised that there were going to be other people in the room. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, but there, right. there are people, think about it. There are people like, there's a lot of stories about this, right? There's people like Gladys Knight and um, who else was it? Um, like really young in the business at 14 or, or 13 that their Aretha parents Franklin. said, listen, Aretha, yes, and their parents Not were like, make, take care of And most people were upstanding, right? B.B. King actually is my neighbor, but when he was young, he's a really good bass player. And uh, the story that I heard not from him. I think my mother told me the story is that he, B.B. Um, King wanted him to travel. He was like 12 or 13 years old, fabulous bass player, and his, his, his parents was like, nope, just wouldn't let him go. But they, people do that in the music business. That's not uncommon that you get child prodigies that people, but a lot of times the parents end up managing them, and then they travel with them sometimes, right. you know. So. Yeah, yeah. There, it's not that it's uncommon, so I don't want to put that out there to say everybody in the you know in that business are pedophiles and crazy, but no. you know you have to be really careful about people. I mean, you could even talk in rap where there were women who were who were who were out there, people like Yo Yo and stuff, and you know with Ice Cube and those guys, and they were like they wouldn't let nobody around that girl. But you the know, difference, Jerome. But the difference, Jerome, is BB King was a song videotape molesting young boys. The, the no, no, difference I, is, no, is that I, mean, I know the shocking part of the story is that he's none of those guys. I was just saying generally in the music business. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But, yeah. but that guy, you shouldn't have let nobody near him. Right. Right. Like there are right. people that would he he's not even a red flag. A red flag is like it looks like it's something. R. Kelly was not a red yeah. flag. 
everybody in their no. mother knew what R. Kelly was doing. Yep. Like, I, I mean, yep. I, I don't know, like, again, no inside information on R. Kelly, but it appeared to me that he was around a bunch of young girls. Oh, he was. It was yeah, he used to hang out at the McDonald's uh, right outside where he used to go to high school, even when he was rich and famous, where you know nothing but high school kids were in there. They were telling <laughs> stories on uh, oh, the Survivor R. Kelly, how they would see him, that he would be in the schools, high schools, as a freaking grown, straight-up superstar. I mean, he just had a, a thirst for young girls, and, uh, you know, he quenched his thirst, but now he got to pay the piper. And like okay, Beretta wait. used to say in his, huh? Go ahead, go say ahead. What? I'll let you finish. No, no, no I, I'll say I like, you know, that, that, that song. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. No, the ahead, song that, at the end of Beretta. Do you know Beretta? Beretta, you know, that song, Go <laughs> To The Time, You Can't Pay The crown or whatever it was. Wow, wow, don't wow, do don't crime, do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but what I wanted to say, though, I'm still not letting Gail King off the hook. Gail and Oprah is problematic to me. I don't give a uh-huh. rat what R. Kelly did because the problem is is that you still have Harvey Weinstein who was really close to them. You had a manager yep. or, or some agent that Oprah and those guys knew who was a freaking pedophile. Oprah and Gail hangs around white men who do that, all of that stuff and have been worse than R. Kelly, and they ain't saying jack. So there are no heroes to black people that, ooh, Gail exposed them. I wouldn't do a freaking interview with Gail no matter how much you pay me, or Oprah. Ooh, and I mean that. It is. My because man. We need, to, we need to still understand, yes, he needed to be exposed. But that was his arrogance that got him exposed. He didn't think Gail yeah. was going to take a light on him. He, it's his arrogance. So yeah, he was yeah. doing that stuff for years. So people yeah. who are narcissistic, like, you know, Trump, the, the thing that Elon Musk, who I don't, you know, have a lot of reverence for, like, but Elon Musk said that the, Harvey Weinstein, what's her name, Giselle? What's the woman name who just got convicted with Harvey? Uh, uh, with, um, Jeffrey Epstein. I can't think of her name. Uh, Giselle anyway, something. Whatever her name is, Elon Musk yeah. said, why don't they still release the names of the people who were their clients? Because we know Bill Clinton, Trump, all of those guys were there with those underage girls. Why don't you release mm-hmm. their names? Yeah. There's a there's something bigger. No, I'm yeah, just saying. There it is. I'm not picking that up. Those are news yeah. stories. That's so true. They did he's definitely correct. Yeah, they found all of their names in in Epstein and um, Epstein's um, Rolodex in his phone book. He had about yeah. six numbers for Trump. Had private numbers. Had <laughs> off the grid cell numbers. He had about six numbers for him. <laughs> But they knew they went on cruises. They went into international waters with girls who were underage. They know that. So I'm just saying, I have no outrage for R. Kelly more than I do for anybody else because I know that them fools are covering for them. So anyway, that's why I have no empathy for the Gail King, Oprah thing. They're not here. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and and then you know, and I can't understand why Matt Gates is still running around here for either. We gotta go. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We'll uh, pick it up on the other side. You're listening to the Serious Talking J. Rouse Show. <laughs> when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, both of my daughters were pregnant, and everything I was looking forward to turned into everything I was going to miss. First words, first steps, being there for my grandchildren, for my daughters. 
today, those babies are three. I'm with them all the time. I don't know what's next, but I know I'm here today. My name is Alanthea Pena, and I'm Susan G. Coleman.
radio at its best. The allure of the sandy beaches of Southern California is undeniable, perhaps especially so for African Americans living in the very segregated Los Angeles of the 1920s. So where are we now? Right now we're in front of the lifeguard station, which is on top of the property that my family used to own. This is it, right here. This is it. Here was lodging, a cafe, and a dance hall, a black paradise developed by Anthony Bruce's great-great-grandparents, Willa and Charles Bruce. They were doing quite well for themselves, and unfortunately, uh, the community here, they saw, saw it as a threat. It was a time in America when people were proud of their prejudices, and the Ku Klux Klan seemed omnipresent. They were members of the police department, they were elected officials, so they were all over the place. Dr. Allison Rose Jefferson is an historian and author. She says the California Klan used laws instead of lynchings as a means of controlling their black neighbors. The Manhattan Beach residents that instituted this eminent domain proceeding in the 20s to take the land away from the African-American families there, it was done because of pure anti-black racism and white supremacist economic sabotage. Manhattan Beach claimed it needed the land for a park, paid the Bruces and others a pittance. And while there is a park there now, the land sat vacant for more than 30 years. When you're robbed of your dignity, when you're robbed of your integrity, when you're robbed of your decent basic rights as a human being and mistreated like that, I mean, it sticks with you for a long time. The Bruces were unable to buy any other land in Manhattan Beach and eventually settled in Florida. The resort was demolished. The person that was hurt the most from this was my grandfather, Bernard Bruce, um, because he was actually there. He knew Charles and Willa as his grandparents. And um, for him, I think it was extreme. He felt the prejudice. Thursday, though, on the very land the Bruce family was run off of, they were welcomed back. <laughs> Through a unanimous act of the California legislature, the land is being returned to them a bold act of reparation. I'm absolutely convinced this will be catalytic. Once the mind is stretched, it never goes back to its original form. We're changing the dynamic of the debate in terms of writing wrong. For now, the Bruce family wants to rent the lifeguard station back to the county. The property, though, likely worth millions of dollars. It's 18 minutes after the hour. Welcome back in to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. And it's best, of course, it's always good to bring stories to your attention that uh, has a uh, positive outcome. And so we wanted to uh, talk about this story here for the next few minutes. Uh, uh, a wrong that was made right by uh, Governor Newsom out of California, prestigious beachfront property returned back to his rightful owners. We'll pick up the conversations right there. You know, Jerome, man, when I saw this story, you know, I brought it up before. I think we actually featured it in a uh, form of less something that you need to know segment, but I've been following the story, so now it's official. This land will be returned back to the Bruce's. Here's the situation where, once again, like Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, uh, you know, what Governor Newsom said in his remarks, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, he talked about, you know, the fact that this is one of those situations that creates generational wealth, right? And so it's like you don't know what type of impact that this will have on uh, the original owner's, you know, uh, 
children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, just generational. And so it's time to return that prime real estate back to its rightful owners. And it's just a good story, man, and I wanted to spend a few minutes to talk about it. Yeah, I actually remember this story in detail. And you're right. It is one of those stories that kind of will give everybody hope in trying to get some type of reconciliation. This is not – it was not a good deed that they returned that land. They didn't return it. They actually – won their case and won it back, right, because of how they was, you know, eminent domained and swindled out of that land. And, um, you know, here um, a couple of days ago in, in upstate New York, it, we have um, the Onondaga Nation who just got back a 1,000 acres of land from Honeywell um, Corporation, and it's the largest um, – it's the largest return of Native American land in this country, a thousand mm-hmm. acres, and they've had it for who knows how long. And the truth right. is, right now, is that we're in a climate that people are mm-hmm. beginning to reclaim some of their land, and and we need to see this thing through because I know with the conservative nuts that's on the Supreme Court now, anybody that appeals to the Supreme Court, those guys are conservative and they don't want to give anything back. So right. this story is a good news story, and it really is a good news story for for black people who've had their land, all of that land in Myrtle Beach, um, in the Hamptons. Black people owned all of that stuff. And wow. white folks just moved in when they weren't traveling. Like once Cuba got taken over in 59, um, all of the white Cubans out and the American interest out, they started taking black people land in North Carolina and Hilton had Myrtle Beach in those areas, and they took the Hamptons because they had black people who lived all in those areas, and white folks needed them for playgrounds. So just like them creating that beach, it was pretty much the same thing. It's like, oh, we need a beach. Let's take black people's stuff and knock this stuff down. So, again, hopefully it encourages those families that are in Carolina or in the you know the the certain other parts of Georgia, um, right. Savannah area. Hopefully, it encourages them to say, you know what, we need to get our family land back. I mean, my right. my family has land in in Texas that we've been fighting right. for years since my grandmother was little, and wow. we're still we're still fighting that. So wow. I get it. But that's yeah, it's the right or wrong. It's the right or wrong. You know, Vanessa, uh, when we, you know, think about and hear these types of stories, it makes you feel good because, you know, you heard that old saying, 40 acres and a mule. You know, people talk about reparations for black people. Um, you know, and I've always said this on this show. It's like playing Monopoly and all the properties bought. I mean, you, you can't win. So there are situations where black folks did have property and white folks felt that they needed to take it because they didn't want to see us be successful. You know, Black Wall Street, I hope that that's a wrong that gets righted at some point because they just came and took that property from them. And so generations are not going to reap the rewards from this. And this is how you have generational wealth. You know, a lot of these white kids who will own these companies and, and have all these different things, this stuff was handed down to them from their great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents. And so when you take that away from African-Americans, some African-American families, you don't have uh, generational wealth. You know, 
you have a situation where you have folks either going to be living in poverty or they're just going to be living a mediocre life. They're not going to have something that has sustainability that they can leave to their heirs. So when you hear this story, you know, how does it make you feel knowing that, you know, you're trying to build a little bit of a legacy for your daughter so you can leave that to her, she can leave it to her children and so forth and so on. So how does it make you feel when you hear stories stories like this where, you know, in Governor Newsom, I love what he said. He said, hey, you know, we're not giving them back anything. You know, we're give, we, we're not giving them giving them stuff. We're giving them back what was originally theirs. We need to, we needed to right this wrong. What say you? I um, I kind of been keeping up with that a little bit as well because I thought it was interesting. And Bobby's grandfather is one of those people who got the forty acres and the mule up in uh, Kilgore, Tyler, Texas area. So um, I was pleased to see them get that land back and but it's just so much of that and it is heartbreaking to know that that happened and and some of it is not going to be rectified and I don't know I'm just glad that they got it back and yes it is very very difficult to buy stuff and get stuff we can pass down to our kids and um Hope they they keep it and not tell it and pass it down to the great grandchildren. So congratulations to them, and uh, I do hope um, that the people in the Carolinas and Myrtle Beach and all of that. I hope that they do it too. And Jerome, when you said that, I thought that was interesting because I keep saying I'm going to go down to Myrtle Beach. Um, I just want to go and 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 see some of the the South on that part of the South. So I keep saying I'm going to do that. And I think I'm, I am going to make a trip and do that. I want to go see that. Yeah. Have y'all ever yeah. seen the slave cabins? Have y'all ever been no. to the slave cabins? Nope. No, I saw, I saw, um, you know, obviously visiting the African American Museum in Washington, D.C., they had one in there. Uh, but I've never seen, you know, outside of a museum type of environment, I've never, never seen one. But while looking at it. Yeah, looking at but, one though um, at that museum, it was like man, it's just so you know, tiny. Uh, it was just crazy. Tiny. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Twenty five yeah. people step in that tiny room. I've seen them, yeah. and it's made my heart hurt. And so yeah. I, everything the black people get back, everything we get back. You're right. You're right about that. I mean, what we what we've gone through to get to where we where we are. Uh, you know, it's just it's a story that that should be celebrated. It's something that uh, I wanted to make sure that we highlighted because I know we had started this whole thing. You know, even when we did our feature, I think we did a four part feature on black farmers. You know, just the fact that all these injustices that were done to our people, and you know, some people have been made whole again in some cases, but a lot of us uh, have not. So kudos to those who continue to fight for those things and uh, we'll continue to uh, bring them to your attention when we hear about them. All right, coming up next, affirmative action. Is it in trouble? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the serious side. 347-850-1272. Happy 4th of July. We'll talk to you on the other side. Online radio at its best. Oh. 
six-year-old Ella is traumatized. As she played outside her home, a bomb exploded. Since then, she has not spoken. Surely, one little girl terrified this way is one too many. Tomorrow may be too late to protect innocent children caught up in famine, conflict, and disaster. Please, will you do just one thing today to help vulnerable refugee children? UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, helps protect them. Children need us today, and we need your support today. Please give online at canadaforrefugees.ca to give $21 a month, just 70 cents a day, and help people who have lost everything. Online radio at its best. Outrage here in New York City. A police officer will not face federal charges in the choking death of Eric Garner five years ago. A video of the incident shows Garner saying, I can't breathe at least 11 times before falling unconscious. He later died. Tonight, his family says the Justice Department failed them. All right. Well, uh, not sure where that came from, but uh, listen, that's a story that we definitely need to stay on top of. Welcome back in, 347-850-1272. It's 33 minutes after the hour. Uh, It's the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. It's time to say cello to some folks. Let's say good morning to my big six, Miss, Miss Vanessa Maybell. What's up, Vanessa? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Be safe. Be safe. Keep your fingers and toes. Be careful. My main man, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Jerome Esprit in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Just another day, brother, in your world, in your paradise. Glad to be here with you, sir. Mr. Elias is off this morning. Jackie is off as well taking advantage of the uh, 4th of July weekend, and we're going to do the same today. I know, I know, oh man, no on a need-to-know basis today. Uh, I know, I know, but I promise you, next week, you're going to get a double dose, so stay tuned for that. It's always good to see the comments. People really enjoy the stories that you bring to the table, Jerome, and it's always fun, because most people listen to your segment at work and their the headphones on. So it's always good to be able to uh help people get through the day. Well most people listen to the to these shows during the week. So yeah. uh but anyway it's always good yeah. to uh give them information yeah, that they need. So we're get some un- the news at work, right? Hopefully it don't make you too There bad. you go. <laughs> yes, sit at right. your desk with your lips poked out. He did what? Don't you think what, I'm sorry. What's it, Vanessa? We're all different. Don't you think this show is show the view that come on channel on ABC with Whoopi now. Uh-huh. It's a panel of different opinions. And I think it ah. makes the world go round when we all have different opinions. Of course. I mean, Baskin Robbins, well, absolutely. I'm, we all have to we have to be careful though. We don't want to put out go ahead, Jerome, go ahead. First of all, I was going to say I disagree with Lisa Vanessa's point. <laughs> I disagree with that. She said like, we all have different opinions. I'm like, no, we don't. Here, here's, from my standpoint, I believe in kind of doing news and giving out information so that people have good information as they go, opposed to me giving right. my opinion. I really don't give up my opinion a lot on this show. 
Because I think that during the day, we have so much opinionated stuff on television when people are arguing unnecessarily about garbage. And so but for Jerome, me... But when Jay Johnson says, Jerome, when Jay Johnson says, what do you think, Jerome, that is your opinion? Yes, I know. I know, but I'm saying it's, it, I'm very reserved in that because I never really give my opinion. I'll give analysis. I'm not reserved. I give my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Because, yeah. We know that. <laughs> we know that. If you I give, give your opinion, if I give sister. An opinion, I usually try to give enough information inside of that opinion so you can understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. I don't just go, R. Kelly ass is crazy. I don't do stuff like that because – Technically, I don't really care one way or another about R. Kelly for me to have an opinion on that man's person. And so, right. yeah, I, I, I approach it different because I do news a lot. And I think that news is so warped in how mainstream media news, and I don't mean that in the Trump kind of way. I think that news in general is opinionated news and is swaying you to something. So I try to give facts inside of those news stories so that you can understand what facts sound like and what they look like. So I do more analysis in my news than I actually do opinion. Okay. Good stuff. There you go. Now you heard it from the man himself. I want to say good morning to Gavina Man. What's happening? My brother from another mother that passes in the house as well. A lot of people, I just want to say hello to everybody because you know the rules. When Mr. Elias is not here, we don't do, uh, you know, state your case. We don't read comments because it's just hard for me to maintain all that stuff during the course of the broadcast. But we know you're there. We want to say good morning to you. Mariana Music, if you're listening, I don't know the names of those songs that were just played. So, uh, you know, check with Miss Delia. I have no idea. Right, three four seven eight five one two seven two. Oh man, that's a Last disclaimer, topic. Jay. I that's a disclaimer. You right? Go see Elias. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, well, you know, I'm, I'm still in Indiana, and so, uh, yeah, Mr. Elias is not far away. <laughs> but, you know, Hi, Mr. Elias, right. good morning. Well, he can't hear you, but, uh, you know. I'm sure he's know. listening wherever he is. Uh, I'm sure he's not. All right, we'll be <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's try to tackle this last story before we get out of here. <laughs> Online radio at its best. Senior reporter on this, Devin Dwyer, joins us with the details. Devin, you're up at the court so often. You're following these cases. The morning they came down, you were right on it. So who brought these challenges and what's at stake? Yeah, Terry, these are or cases brought by a group of conservative students, mostly Asian Americans, who say they were discriminated against by Harvard University, the University uh, of North Carolina, uh, in favor of black and Hispanic students, essentially discriminated against on the basis of race. Uh, and they've been organized by a longtime opponent of affirmative action. His name is Edward Bloom. Uh, and so this case is really a test for, the, for this court, the 6-3 conservative court, um, on where race factors in so many of our policies, but of course in education and in admissions. Uh, and if it feels like we've been here before and this question has been settled, it's because it has. The Supreme Court has weighed in several times over the, over the years, as you know well, uh, and decided this issue. It's been long considered, uh, you know, settled, established law that schools... Uh, can use race as a factor uh, in deciding uh, the admission of students. But now with this new conservative majority and this engineered case, uh, the, the conservative justices will get a chance to take a second look at it, and many are expecting uh, it may not fare very well, the policy.
it, it may not fare very well, in part because while the Supreme Court has upheld race-conscious admissions, hasn't done so really enthusiastically, going all the way back to the, the Bakke case back in the 1970s. And one of the landmark reaffirmations of the Constitution. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. Uh, big what's up, and we didn't get a chance to say this at the beginning of the show because, you know, Vanessa had her editorial at the beginning of the show. I want to say what's up. Uh, congratulations to Katanje, Justice Katanje Brown. You know, somebody... You know, and I did not bring it up. I was going to actually talk about it during the show. I'm going to make a mental note to bring it up next week because someone pointed out something very interesting about her and uh, our vice president, and I wanted to talk about that this morning. Uh, but I want to w- make sure everybody's here for that conversation because it's going to be intriguing. So tune in next week. That's going to be a good conversation from one of our listeners, by the way, which I thought was uh, was pretty good. But anyway, uh, so with Abortion rights now kick to the curve. And, you know, Justice Clarence Thomas, he said, what's up, man, boss? Yes, a boss, man. He's now uh, talking about uh, contraception and all these other different things. He didn't say anything about mixed races, by the way. Mixed marriages, you know, he didn't bring that up. But, you know, a realistic question now that's on the table is affirmative action. Can we see a situation where the Supreme Court will do away with affirmative action. Now, I've heard, you know, Vanessa, the question you asked me at the beginning of the show, uh, or earlier in the show, I should say, when you talked about, well, you know, we weren't around white people growing up. And I said, well, but I was around white folks during my developmental years, during my early, during my professional years, I should say. Um, and I've heard conversations about affirmative action. Well, all equal. Why can't, why can't, you know, we're in a different place in America. Nobody should be giving any, uh, you know, uh, you know, preferred treatment because of their, uh, their race. And, you know, we're all equal now. And I listened to these people and I just said, are you serious? Because I've been in rooms where people, I've had conversations with folks who thought I was a white guy because they had never seen me. And, you know, it's that old Eddie Murphy SNL skit where Eddie Murphy dresses up as a white person, get on the bus, and as soon as the last black person gets off the bus, they serve wine, they serve crackers and cheese and wine, you know. (laughs) And so I've been in situations where people thought I I was a white guy. And when they thought that it was just me and them, and all of a sudden we're going to have our white bonding moments, and they said things, about African-Americans that I'm like, what? And so I didn't want to support their surprise. I just invited them to lunch one day, and when they saw me, they like they saw a damn ghost, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, believe it. So that exists in corporate America. It exists in pretty much every, you know, facet of life, so to speak. So what are your thoughts, Vanessa? Because this is uh, – I'm not trying to set you up, but I do want to hear what you have to say about this. What are your thoughts on affirmative action? Why would you put it like that? Because I have white no, friends be- that I hang out no, 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 be- no, because – no, no, no. Let me explain. You asked me a question. The reason why – the reason why I say that, Vanessa, because you have – sometimes you do align with, with – with, things that the Republican Party supports. And and to me this but kind of falls with everything okay. 
I didn't say everything. I didn't say everything, Vanessa. Okay. Don't get mad at me. Okay. I'm just saying okay. that this seems to be one of those topics that would kind of fall in line with that. But listen, I'm sorry. I could be wrong. That's why I said I'm curious as to, okay. you know, what you have to say about it. I feel affirmative action should exist because I still think they'll deserve an edge to get ahead because white people were born with that edge. I still believe what my husband has instilled in me in 40 years that a black right. man can walk into a bank and ask for a loan for $500 and put his house up and not get it, but a white man can walk in there and don't have nothing and get it. So I still believe that black people okay. deserve that edge. Okay, good. Well, I, hey, listen, I'm glad. I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I want you to think I'm trying to bust you out because you said I watch TV all the time. I just waste my life away. No, I'm not, Vanessa. Vanessa. No, 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 Vanessa, I'm not. My thoughts. I don't want you to change, Vanessa. Nobody wants you to change, but I'm glad I wanted because I know people were thinking the exact same thing I was thinking. Yeah, I want to hear what she has to say about this. So it's good. You got to get your opinion out. Everybody wants to hear your opinion. Jerome, what about you, man? What do you think about this whole thing when it comes to affirmative action? (laughs) Whatever. That's what this thing about affirmative action, man. What do you think? Do you think that this 6-3 majority conservative uh, Supreme Court can overturn this thing? I think they, I think they would, but I think they will narrow, they will narrowly turn it, turn it over, right? So, really? Yeah, I think they'll, they're going to nitpick it because from what I understand about the decision for the Roe versus Wade is that Roberts right. was trying to get a narrow decision, but since he was kind of overruled because they could have still did it five to four, the conservatives right. people are running the court now, so Roberts does not right. have such more of an influence. But I think with affirmative right. action, I think that they will have a more narrow view for affirmative action because at the same time, the court is really political, and at the same right. time, they still look for credibility. So they're yeah. just, they can't, they're, they, I don't think that they'll just start just blanket overturning everything because then the court would have no credibility. Well, so does, what they don't have mean, any credibility now. <laughs> right, they don't. And right. my fear is, which which I've heard other people say this, is that now that you know Katanji um, Jackson is there, that they'll be like, oh, what is what happened to the Supreme Court, you know? And y'all got this black woman on there. They're trying to. They're thinking that they're going to get more credibility with her on there, right? Mm-hmm. Because black people are happier that she's there and whatever. It's kind of like the presidency. When Obama got there, yeah. black people were really happy and had more faith in government. And right. he couldn't he couldn't change he couldn't turn that big ship around. He right. no one man could do it. And you right. see that Trump pretty much spent all the surplus, stole it away, and now people are blaming yeah. Biden for it. Right? So yeah. it's like my four hundred one K was good up under under Trump, but they don't understand that it was because of the surplus that Obama had that stabilized right. the market and all the spending right. that Trump did is now starting to kick in. Yes. Right? And so when I yes. when I hear that, you know, when you talk about the Supreme Court and what they're going to do in the future, they're going to have to save face someplace. I'm not sure it's going to be an affirmative action because they're pretty racist and crazy. And, and, and um, you know, white pathology is kind of playing into that as well. 
So when you right. want to talk about the discovery, I'm sorry to do, say so much, but the doctrine of discovery and the stuff that they talked about before that, you know, white folks are inherently whatever from sea to shining sea thing, the doctrine yeah. of discovery has been held up by the Supreme Court, which means that nothing exists until white folks claim it. So when the natives right. was here, they would just draw a line around them, and they were like, we own all the deer and all the trees and everything in this land. Forget the people who live there. They still governed by that philosophy. So they're yeah. never going to section off somebody by race or ethnicity, even though they took all of this land and killed all these indigenous black people. Um, it's going to be hard for that Supreme Court to deal with that. Absolutely. Let's they bring may- in our uh, – go ahead, Fit. I'm sorry. I'll let you read Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Let me let's bring in our uh, sister, uh, Miss Momo Beasy and Easy. Good morning, Momo. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm fine. Hey, good morning. Hi. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's on your mind, Momo? I mean, after that uh, rousing. Uh, I'm just. Excuse me. I I called in. I call in every week, and sometimes I say something, and some things I don't. Sometimes I feel like okay. it. Sometimes I don't. And I really got a issue with this abortion thing because I feel like a woman is entitled to their own rights. We went through this many years ago for certain reasons. People's digging up their people's digging up their things with hangers and stuff, trying to get rid of babies. We went through this before. We shouldn't have to go through it again. There's a lot of things that people did to get rid of babies that, that was unhealthy. Because they didn't want them. Now, one could say, oh, well, oh, they should have kept it, they should have kept it, they should have. But you can't tell nobody what to do. You're not raising a baby. So don't tell nobody what to do with their baby, their mistake. If it happened for a reason, it happened for a reason. If it didn't, it didn't. So don't you can't sit there and tell nobody, who in the heck is this? You can't tell nobody what to do with their life. People like to sit and talk about what other people should do and what their opinions are, but they don't got to raise no nothing. They don't got to raise no baby, and they don't got to do nothing. It's easy to sit back and Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, well, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't open their legs. They shouldn't have had a baby. They shouldn't have did this. But it's hard to raise a baby for 18 years if you don't got it like that. So stop talking. I don't like that. When people feel like, oh, the baby is, oh, the baby's a baby. The baby's a baby now. It's a real human being inside somebody's stomach. It's my stomach. It's my baby. You don't have nothing to do with it. You want to come help me raise it? You want to do that? How about calling me? How about that? All these people talking about this shit, they don't don't even do nothing to support abortion rights. Oh, how about adoption? You want to, uh, uh, now I'm going to have to go through this life nine months with this baby. Where are you? Where are you helping me go through this? Where are you? So stop talking, stop trying to embarrass people and make them feel ashamed of what they're doing. Oh, you murdering somebody, you murdering somebody. What are you doing? 
Yeah, I, I uh, you know, Mo, and I hear it in your voice, and and it's it's a very uh, it's 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 a topic that uh, that that gets emotional because the same people who are saying that you should have these babies are the same ones that once the baby's here, they're cutting funding to help support you know a single mothers. They're they're doing everything in their power yeah, and, and, to to and, and not help raise them. They talk about you when you're in a welfare. Oh, we gotta raise your kids. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. And these are the same people that will, uh, once that kid turns 18, if they're, uh, you know, a child of color, more than likely be staring down the barrel of a gun. You know, it's like they're talking out of both sides of their neck. The same people who are saying that, you know, the government doesn't have the right to tell me to wear a mask or to tell me what to do are the same people that are trying to tell women what to do. It's just, um, it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my it's life. Sad. It's sad. It's sad is what it is. Don't tell me what to yeah. do. Don't tell me what to do, and don't make it against the law for me to do it. We went through this before. And who are you to sit back in your chair and say, oh, yeah, I think this and this and fuck you? That's a dollar. We got to pay a dollar for that one. Yeah, Yeah, that's a dollar right there. I I got it. I got the dollar. Okay, thank you. Wow, that's a big one. Uh, what you know? What listen? I get it. I understand what you're talking about. And you know, my daughters, like I said before, my daughters are like carefree and things of that nature. But they're even saying, "Oh my God, Dad, really? I'm, yeah, this is the country that we live in." And uh, the 2016 election is going to be going to go down in history. It's probably yep, yep, years yep, after yep, after yep. we're gone. That's going to be one of the most consequential moments in history in this nation's history uh, when historians well, look back what? on this time. Guess what? Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but guess what? These smart, quote, unquote, people don't understand. Once you overturn one, guess how many is coming after? Guess how many? Watch and wait. Stupid ass. Right. And that's why we're that's talking why about. Momo, that's why I said this morning to Jay, this is going to be our kids' fight. Like your beautiful daughter, our daughters. Yeah, and I don't want her fighting. I don't want her fighting nothing. If she want to make a decision to do whatever, it's her decision. No, I'm talking about. I'm 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 not trying to play with my people. Momo. And it's it's not going to let up. Once you get one person, now you overturn the rules that was made how many years ago? Now you overturn it, they're going to start doing that to everything. So you, all right, yeah. everybody be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. Well, I don't think they're wishing for anything. I think that uh, no, the majority of the country. The who, who, who want. Right. And, oh, yeah, I agree with the overturning of this, overturning of that. The rules are set for a reason. And once they get away yeah. with one overturn, they're going to over, try to talk, overturn everything. We're going to be standing in line trying to drink out of water fountains and going to this. They're going to do it all. Like, y'all keep playing if you want to. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, saying, all right, it's time for our final thoughts. And uh, Vanessa, uh, your first final thoughts. Wow. Well, my final thought is it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better because um, people who didn't vote and thought votes didn't matter are going to see just what that's going to get them. Um and it's just, it's not going to stop there. It's going to go all the way down to people who have had babies from brothers and sisters. They're not going to be able to have abortions. They're going to stop contraceptives. They're going to change all kinds of rules and laws that our children, not Vanessa and Jay, our children are going to have to fight those battles. They're going to have to get up off of their asses. 
go vote. Tell their friends to go vote. Black, white, green, or purple. It doesn't matter. People want to get out there because I'm going to be too old to sit here and do this fight, honey. So I, I hate it. So all I can do is say, y'all have a good week. I'm going to go get on the ship, just me and my husband by ourselves. Y'all be safe. Y'all wear a mask if y'all are around a lot of people because COVID is still out there, okay? Yep. And so I'm going to go pray for this country. And the rest of us, even if we're not in church, we need to go in our war room, which is the closed closet, and we need to pray for this country. Y'all have a good week. Well said. All right, uh, be, let me give you uh, give you an opportunity to share your final thoughts. Well, my final thought is this world is sad. I told you that a couple of weeks ago that I didn't see no improvements. I, when I was in my twenties, I thought it was gonna I thought I was gonna change the world, but it didn't happen. And it's and it, and it started to improve, but then it started to get worse. And I don't know. Like I'm, I don't know, but it's getting worse. Now we're reverting back. We're going backwards now. We are really going backwards, and if nobody don't understand that, they need to look in the mirror because you you are part of the problem. We're going backwards, and it's sad because I have to watch my daughter grow up, and if she has children, I'm going to have to watch them grow up. I'm going to have to watch my grandchildren grow up in this shit, and it don't make no sense to me. You, you try to progress so far and then to go backwards with people you think are like-minded, and they say stupid shit. Like, I don't know. Oh my it's getting shit on my nerves. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to tell you, that can't get some money at the end. Wow. All right, Jerome, man. Final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Whew. All right, Jerome, man. Final thoughts. Oh. Okay. Since, you may since be I'm not doing theory. news today, I, I want to do this really <laughs> quick and talk about the, the um, Emmett Till story. Everybody knows yes. that he was killed in Mississippi um, because some white woman said she stared at him or whispered at him. Well, they found new evidence that they had an arrest, arrest warrant for Carol Bryant in 1955, and they yep. hid this on arrest warrant. This woman is 97 years old. Her, her, her son, she lives with her son and her uh, daughter-in-law. They're like, she's 87. She's in poor health. She had cancer and black... I don't give a rat what's wrong with her right now, right? Because they're like, this will kill her for her to get arrested. So they're hiding the fact from from her that they got an arrest warrant or they had one in 1955 and they just found it. So here's what happened. She got on the stage. I mean, she got on the stand, said that this little, what was he, 14, 13, 14-year-old black kid, this is what she testified. The black kid grabbed her hand and said, how about a date, baby? And then she pulled away and then um, put his hands on her waist and told her, you need not be afraid of me, baby. I've been in the white girls before. This grown woman said that about that kid, got him lynched. She said that on the stand. And now the family's like, oh, this will kill her if she's prosecuted. Damn that. Let it be what it is. Lucky LES is not here because there will be a little bit more cussing. So I wanted to say that for the record, and hopefully they still arrest her and um, and prosecute her. Because she does not yeah. need to – we don't need to let this stuff go and say, oh, yeah, it's just water under a bridge. They do that to white people all the time, and they'll prosecute black people after they die. They still talk a noise about yeah. Michael Jackson. So anyway, that's it. 
That was my word for Yeah, wow. so anyway, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. The, the thing well, Mo, you the can't say one more thing. We're people, people out of time. Like, can I have my time? The, okay, oh, I guess okay. not. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go the ahead. People, go ahead. Take, I, people, I reserve my time to you. 30 seconds. Go okay, ahead. They're yours. The people who want to say something about, oh, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, it's, a, it's, a, it's murder, the baby in the belly, the baby in the belly. Why do you care? It's not your baby. It's not your belly. You don't care about nothing about nobody else living in the world. Why do you care about me if I'm carrying a baby that's four months pregnant? You don't care about me. I know you don't because I've never seen you in my house. I've never seen you send me no money. I've never seen you doing nothing. You don't care. So let it go. Let it go. It's not about you, boo. It's about me. All right. There it is. And that was my final thoughts. Thank you very much, Momo B, for interpreting them for me. And on that note, Jerome, if it's Sunday, we're talking serious. What time is it, my friend? Time for the serious side of the Jay Ryle show. Folks, have a safe and wonderful 4th of July weekend. And uh, I tell you what, what a passionate show. And we thank Momo B for bringing her passion to the set. So for Vanessa, for Momo, for my main man, Mr. Jerome Spray, I'm Jay Ryle saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the Jay Ryle show. See you next week, folks. God bless. <laughs>